0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Wednesday, September 23rd, and we are here to meet our Week 3 opponent, the Atlanta Falcons, as we begin our Week 3 preparations. And a lot of threes, because the Bears are looking to go, well, 3-0. and Now, of course, to help us meet the Atlanta Falcons, we're going to bring on a guest. But before we do that, I need to introduce myself. I'm your host, Little It. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And, Nick, we're doing this introduction, actually... After the episode, uh, after we did the recording, but our guest, her name is Tori McElhaney. She covers the Falcons for The Athletic, and did you just want to kind of give a teaser to for our listeners as to what's in store for them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Torrey just does a great job of recapping what exactly this Falcons team to date is dealing with, whether that's injuries, the offensive explosion that they have at times, and then the defensive problems that just persist on all three levels. Torrey gets in-depth with it, lets you know a lot more about the Atlanta Falcons. And look, this is a team that is still looking for that first win, and that can make them desperate. But Torrey, Torrey definitely does a good job of just relaying a lot of what Bears fans want to know about these Atlanta Falcons. For sure. So, with that, let's go ahead and
0: just jump right into that conversation. All right. So, we're sitting here, and we have Tori McIlhany. And first of all, I don't know if you get this a lot, but are you related to Rob by any chance?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. It's spelled differently. I have an A in my name. I'm th- I'm pretty sure he spells it with an E.
0: Yeah. You know, I saw it, but I don't ever see that last name enough. You never know if it was like distant relatives who changed the. <laughs> Way it's spelled. I have a capital W in my name as well, and I have relatives that do not like to capitalize that W. And I'm like, why? It makes no <laughs> sense. It is part of my name, and you never know how families branch off. So I had to ask. I'm a big It's Always Sunny fan, a big <laughs> fan of his. I was like, just in case, you never know, maybe you make a cool connection. But Tori, all that aside, we're here to talk Falcons, learning more about them today. Nick and I were both very glad to have you on. How's your week been uh, after Sunday?
2: Oh gosh. Well, I think Sunday really took a lot out of me. Like I think it took a lot out of a lot of people in Atlanta. So, um, I kind of used the, tried, tried to just get my bearings on, on Monday and then Tuesday we had off and then back at it again today. So it's been a lot, um, but doing okay. You know, we're, we're getting into, we're in week three, so kind of expected this at this point.
0: Sure. Now, Nick, I know we have some questions here for Tori and uh, the one that you wanted to hit on was something that kind of came out to light uh, earlier today from Falcons practice. And uh, you want to go ahead and take that away,
1: man? Yeah, Tori. I mean, what you tweeted out today, the injury list for the Atlanta Falcons, like a short novel. I mean, there's Julio Jones, Foye, Aluakin, Ricardo Allen, big names are on this list for injuries. What do you make of the injuries so far? And I'm going to put you on the spot. Like how many of those guys do you think will actually play? But it's a large list of important players for the Falcons for sure.
2: I think the one word that comes to mind is yikes. Like that's just, it's just not good. It's not good when you have this many that aren't participating. Granted, I do think that many of, I say many of them, I would say that Jake Matthews will probably end up playing. He played this past Sunday and he, hardly practiced at all the week before. So I think they're just being um, careful with him. Um, I, I don't think that Foyer's injury is going to be that significant because originally they were talking about how it was, cr- he was just cramping, but then it kind of turned into a whole hamstring thing. But hamstrings are weird as, as you probably know with like Julio Jones history with, with hamstrings. And I think that's the biggest one I've got to watch is, is Julio and how, how he, kind of comes along this week because that will be I mean there's a ton of I mean just defense wise like I think I counted seven starters who were either limited or did not participate in practice today that's significant that's really really significant and uh so it'll be interesting to see how these progress
0: This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E dot com.
2: And I honestly kind of think that the Falcons are a little like, we're kind of, we're just going to use this week to figure it out and just kind of hope that guys can go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Tori, I mean, you mentioned some of those injuries. They did happen in that second half in that game against the Cowboys. But look, the Falcons are up 26-10. Defense looked fast in the first half, causing turnovers. What happened in in the second half there? Was there anything they did differently, or was it some of those injuries that really impacted what the Falcons could or couldn't do in the second half against the Cowboys?
2: I asked Raheem Morris, who's the defensive coordinator for the Falcons. I asked him today. I was like, you know, you had guys. I mean, look at Foyer, what Foyer did in that first half. I mean – he was punching the ball out of the Cowboys' hands. It was hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. But you didn't have any of that after after he went out. You didn't really have much of a pass rush when Tack McKinley went out. So I asked. I was like, "Did you miss those guys?" And he kind of gave me an answer. Where it was like, you know, you look across the NFL right now, and Week Two was a like a horrible, catastrophic week for NFL. And it was, when you go through and you look at the injuries that are sustained across the whole board, it's significant and it's, it's a little crazy and it's a little worrisome. Um, But the Falcons, when uh, going back to what we were talking about, when you look at their whole breakdown, that's a good percentage of production that they are, that they didn't have out there today. And he said that, you know, you have to have that next man, next man up mentality that has to be what you go about when you have these situations arise but like I don't see how it doesn't affect them I really don't especially defense wise I really really don't don't know how it didn't affect them in that second half I just knowing what they were doing in the first half and then to completely get away from it in the second half and to have the collapse that the second half was I mean I can't imagine that this wasn't an issue
0: How would you classify this defense? Obviously, these injuries are something to take into account, but you are giving up the most points in the league so far, 38 and then 40 points in back-to-back weeks. It's hard to really sugarcoat that or frame that in really any positive light, but are they as bad as the score is showing in your mind, or are they just not playing up to potential?
2: I personally think that they're not playing up to potential, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's individuals not playing up to their individual potential potential or if it's scheme I know after that first loss against Seattle th- there were a couple guys that were talking about how like pre snap communication just wasn't there and how uh the secondary wasn't really disguising their looks the way that they wanted to and so when you're looking at like that kind of stuff that's that's not great like and, and I understand it's the first game of the season I understand that y'all didn't have preseason games and a lot of that stuff is worked out in those preseason games but No one had preseason games. And it's just really worrisome to look at where this defense is right now. In with Dan Quinn being the defensive aficionado that, you know, he claimed and everybody claimed that he was when he came to the Falcons. So it is it's a little worrisome because you expect more from these defenders who a lot of them were on the team when the Falcons were playing in the Super Bowl.
0: Is the miscommunications issue perhaps what you believe is the biggest detriment to why they're so bad against the pass right now? They're giving up 372 yards per game, which is 31st in the NFL. And do you think that's what's really holding them back is just that lack of communication or are they breaking coverages, not just letting guys go? I mean... I watched a little bit of that game last time and I haven't got to my full breakdown of it yet, but it just didn't seem like they're putting much resistance in that second half at all. When the Cowboys were trying to push that ball through the air. Mm
2: -hmm. No, I think it's a combination of both of those things. If I'm being completely honest, I think you see breakdowns in coverages. I think you're seeing a little bit of miscommunication at times. Who's, who's covering who at certain point. And I think when you look at it, when you break it down, the issues that the secondary is having it is significant because what you look at what Russell Wilson was able to do in week one like he had one of the best days of his entire career Mm -hmm. and then you look at what Dak Prescott was able to do in the second half of of the game on Sunday it's a pretty I mean he led a gigantic comeback which I know the Falcons are known for giving up but still that I mean that doesn't take away from what Dak Prescott was able to do. And a lot of that does fall on the secondary to a certain extent.
0: How much is the lack of pass rush hurting the secondary as well? I would call it based off what I'm seeing right now, an average pass rush, not one of the worst in the league, but they're not, you know, putting much fear into quarterbacks right now.
2: I think it's definitely better than last year. Um, The the Falcons pass rush, which you couldn't get much worse than last year. Um, So it, I do think they have made some strides in it, but it's definitely not where it needs to be in order to be effective. And that's what Raheem Morris was talking to us about today. And, kind of we were asking about how do you stop these explosive plays? Why what why were the Cowboys able to have all of these explosive plays in the second half on Sunday after y'all were so affected in the first half? And he was like, it starts up front. He was like, we're not affecting the quarterback physically. We're not affecting the quarterback mentally. And when you don't do that, it puts a lot of pressure on your DBs.
0: Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Has there been any talk out of the Falcons locker room with their player or coaches just about their lack of even any sort of resistance in the red zone. I mean, you're giving up 90 percent a touchdown rate, which is by far the worst in the NFL, and they're allowing five trips inside the 20 per game. So when you put those two together, I mean, you're just never going to be in a good spot to win a football game. Have they been talking about those red zone struggles on defense?
2: Yeah, we talked about it today, and it was something that I wrote about today, like that and the the explosive plays, and uh, it's it's rough when you look at their nine the defense is letting nine out of 10 opponents trips to the red zone, like come away with points and touchdowns. And you don't have that from the offense right now. And I know the offense put up 39 on Sunday, but they left a few touchdowns like out there on the field on, on Sunday. And so it's like, if your offense isn't scoring touchdowns, if your defense isn't stopping your opponent from scoring touchdowns. I mean, this is basic football. This isn't, right? this isn't complex stuff. This is really easy. Like that's the whole point of the game to try and make sure that you're scoring points and your opponent isn't. So it's really simple, but the Falcons just haven't been able to get it yet.
0: Now, as a host of this podcast, one of my favorite phrases is giving one of my guests a simple question that probably leads to a complicated answer. So my simple question for you is, does this Falcons defense have a strength that Bears fans should be taking into account right now?
2: It's hmm. a good question. Uh, like you said, kind of. Have, it's a thinker. It's an easy question, but it's kind of a thinker. Um, I really like Grady Jarrett a whole lot. I think what he does, um, even if he's not getting to the quarterback, I think he's doing stuff that affects the quarterback. And I know that a big thing that we were just talking about is the lack of pass rush and a lack of having that. And, but I do think that I think the biggest thing that I have to say about that is like Grady Jarrett can't do it all himself. It has to come from everybody else across that front seven. So that's the, str- I think Gr- Grady Jarrett is a strength of this defense. And I do think that Dion Jones is a strength of this defense. Um, when Lewis is healthy. I think he's a strength of this defense, but I mean, you just kind of need more production out of everyone else. Sure. You know what, Tori?
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to throw you a life raft here. Let's switch over to this offense a little bit because I think this may help you out uh, just a smidge and let's begin with Matt Ryan he leaves the NFL uh, with 61 completed passes uh, also second in the league in both passing yards and touchdowns and I know he's way up there in attempts as well but what's he been doing well so far throughout two games obviously he's a perennial pro bowl type of quarterback one of the better QBs in the league but what's he doing well so far here in 2020 that's kind of caught your eye
2: I think you like when you know you list all those numbers, and I think the numbers like speak for for itself. And I know that in the first week they had to go really heavy in the pass game because the score kind of dictated that they needed to do that. Um, but I think his, I mean, this is something that you notice about Matt Ryan, just the command that he does have of the offense, and I think that. The offensive line as a whole has looked a little bit better in pass protection and even even to a certain extent run blocking. Um, So I think that he does have more time in the pocket right now. And I think what you're seeing because of that is what Calvin Ridley has been able to do through two weeks. And I'm sure we'll talk about Calvin. But I mean, that connection, I think, is really, really strong and really, really special right now for Atlanta. It's one of the the only good things that they've got going for them right now.
1: And you know, Tori, you just kind of mentioned the wide receivers, and that's definitely a strength of this football team. But Julio Jones is a guy that didn't have much of an impact, despite the Falcons scoring 39 points. He did drop that one touchdown pass. Um, what's going on with Julio Jones? I know you um, in your article that you wrote post game, it seemed like a hamstring injury is really affecting him right now. What's just going on with Julio Jones at this? Point?
2: Does a robot know you like a neighbor? So it was really interesting because when we talked to Dan Quinn on Friday before the game on Sunday, he was asked, like, what's your concern level for Julio right now with that hamstring? You know, hamstrings are really weird. Like timeline wise, they're they're hard to rehab to a certain extent. Um, And he he was like, my concern level is pretty low. Like Julio says he's good. Like, so as long as he's going, we're we're ready to go like we're following him. So that was our expectation going into Sunday. And then you go through the first half and he only has one catch for like five yards. And then you, he drops the pass. And immediately when he drops that touchdown pass, he like goes to like to hold onto that hamstring a little bit. And then from then on, you see him kind of gingerly walking around the field. Like he doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look like Julio looks. And, and that's a big that, that hurts the Falcons because he, Julio Jones is the Falcons and like the connection that he has with Matt Ryan, like that's just who the Falcons are. And they built this franchise around Julio Jones as they should. He's a generational player, but seeing him like that, you're like, wait a minute, something's up. And when we were talking to him after the game, at first he was kind of like, you know, it's just like, it's just a tweak. Like, it's just a football thing. It's nothing I can't handle. But the more that we talked to him, the more he was like, you know, I actually couldn't, it was almost kind of like he was opening up a little bit. And he was almost kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't running the way that I wanted to run. I couldn't run the way that I wanted to run. And talking to Dirk Cutter, who's the Falcons offensive coordinator on Monday, I kind of asked him, I was like, what, what did you see from Julio? And he was like, well, first off, Dallas was shading to him quite a lot, which I'm sure if you go back and watch that game, they were. I mean, they were all over him, as pretty much every team is going to be. Um, but he did say, Dirk Cutter did say, he was like, I think that hamstring is bothering him a little bit more than maybe what he's letting on. So this is a really big deal this week going into to the, to Chicago and coming into town and seeing if Julio is going to be even anywhere close to 100%.
0: I was going to ask, do you think he will be or not? But you're not a doctor, so I don't think it's going to help, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. And they're really like, we never even talk asking Dan Quinn, like, hey, like, what do you think about so and so? He's not very forthcoming about, like, yeah, no, we think so and so is going to be back in full pads on Thursday and he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. That's just not the conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, I understand that one completely from our neck of the woods here as well. But let's talk, talk about Calvin Ridley because. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, I guess I don't want to mention his brother on our team that has a hard time even getting active on game days. You by far have the superior Ridley receiver. I think most people knew that heading in, though. But 21 touchdowns and 31 career games now. He just came off his fourth multi-touchdown game of his young career. Such a bright spot for this team. What has he impressed you with the most so far this season?
2: Oh, man. I think what's impressed me the most is his mindset. And I know that's a really weird thing to say, because that's not like something that is like something that he's showing on the field. But here's a guy who literally the very first time that we talked to him the second week of training camp, he literally comes in and he's just this ball of energy. And he is so excited for this season. He is saying how hungry he is. He is setting all these expectations for himself. Like I'm going to have an, a thousand receiving yard season. And, and like the fact that he came into that zoom meeting that we had with him and he laid out, like, I want to be an elite player in this league. I'm the number two here in Atlanta. Like I, I know I can beat this player. He laid all that out. And now here we are two games in and he's doing like, I mean, he's doing amazing work. And he's leading this team in a way that he kind of said he wanted to. So that's what i am been really impressed with is the fact that here's a guy who said he wanted to do all these things, and he's going out and actually doing it.
0: No, well, that's great stuff there. And he's been doing such a strong job here to start this season, and looks like he is taking that leap. I want to take a moment and talk about that Falcons rushing attack. I know you have Todd Gurley. Uh, so far, he's sixth in the NFL in rushing attempts. They're trying to pound the rock with him. He has 35 attempts so far this season. But he's sitting 22nd in the NFL with 117 yards on the ground, only averaging about 3.3 yards per carry. And I don't think that was the hope entering this season. Can you give me like an inside look as to why the Falcons are struggling to maybe move the ball on the ground despite really attempting to establish it?
2: Yeah. And that's a good question. And I think it's something that even the Falcons coaching staff are still trying to figure out um, because it was interesting that even in training camp, when we were talking to Dan Quinn, he was like, it's going to be a situation where we are still working to figure out what Todd Gurley can do and how we can use him. Um, And I think that's where preseason games maybe would have been a little bit helpful. Um, But right now, what you're seeing Atlanta do, Todd Gurley isn't really the workhorse in Atlanta. He's not like – they're rotating in Brian Hill, Edo Smith. Like, those guys are getting carries, too. And so I think, like, what you're seeing is they have a three-back rotation. And I I do think that the the first game of the season against Seattle kind of skewed everything that Todd Gurley was probably doing because they didn't go to him – like, I think they went to him twice – in the second half because they literally couldn't run the ball. They didn't have time. So I think that those numbers are a little bit skewed. Um, but I do want to see more of Todd Gurley. I do want to see more of the, the run game in general. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think the run game and what Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, Edo Smith, what they all can do in the run game is established with that offensive line. And it start- I think it starts with them because I think you know what Todd Gurley is capable of, even with the questions of the health of his knee. I think you know that he's gonna go score touchdowns. I think you know that he's gonna get his yards um even though last year didn't really he didn't really see that um so that's kind of where I'm at in the run game. I just kind of want to see more of it, and something that Dirk Cutter said the other day was that. He's like, we are one block away from turning a four or five yard pickup to an explosive play. And I I believe that going back and looking at some of some of those runs that I think he's talking about. I do think they're just like they're right there. I think they're on the cusp of getting Todd Gurley where they want him to be, why they got him to Atlanta.
0: Are you surprised as I am that they haven't been able to get Gurley as involved as a receiver out of the backfield? Only two targets so far this year, one catch, I think one yard. Uh, I know in L.A., well, with the Rams, he usually could have been utilized as a receiver, perhaps a little bit more effectively. And I was surprised that when I was looking into the Falcons, I didn't see that yet.
2: That actually doesn't surprise me all that much, um, because (laughs) when you look at who... Matt Ryan has to go to uh, with receivers. You have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst. And those four, in my opinion, are, I mean, especially the one-two punch of Julio and Calvin, like they're one of the best receiving duos in the NFL right now. Um, Even with Julio not being 100%. I think he will eventually get 100% and you will see that one, two punch really be a one, two punch, but it doesn't really surprise me all that much that they haven't used Todd Gurley in that way. Um, And I, I think that you, you just have other options and there's only so many plays in a game. And right now it's working to give the ball to Calvin Ridley, to give the ball to Russell Gage. So I don't think that it's, I don't find it weird that they haven't tried it. I'm sure at some point those guys are going to get shut down and you're going to have to. But for right now, I don't really find it that odd.
0: You think, though, he's throwing 45 times the game. You'd find a couple throws for Todd Gurley. But you're right. You do have pretty decent targets all the way around and you can only slice up the pie so many ways. So I appreciate that because that is pretty good insight. That's why we have you on. But, Nick, I know you have a a question here.
1: Yeah, just with the Falcons, there are 11-0-2 teams um, but based off these games, Tori, is this a bad 0-2 team? I know a lot of people are saying that the Bears are a bad or mediocre 2-0 team. But do you believe that the Falcons are just a bad 0-2 team? Or is there more to the record that indicates that the Falcons are better than this?
2: I think the Falcons are absolutely better than this. I think at many times over the last eight quarters that we've seen them play this year that – they are better than what they have put out. And I think a lot of people know that. I think the players know that. I think the coaches know that. And it's going to be how you tap into that moving forward. Because if they go out and lose to Chicago on Sunday and they're 0-3 and you have Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, like – Grady Jarrett you have all these guys on you know defense wise there are some guys who are a little iffy but uh, with with the offense you, you're you paying these guys so much money like so much of your cap is going to these offensive players these these firepower players that you want to get like you should you would think that they would be able to win games with these guys that's what they that's what they're paying the money for like that's that's just what it is and I think that you wouldn't pay that much money for players that don't perform and right now I I just expect so much more from them I do
1: you know Tori uh you mentioned mate what if the the Falcons go 0-3 and lose to the Bears on Sunday what's Dan Quinn's situation going to be there I know it's already talks like it's a hot seat should he be fired for what happened last week uh, you know, against the Cowboys, if he does lose Sunday, where do you think the talk is with his position as head coach?
2: It's really rough here in Atlanta. It's really rough on uh, Atlanta Falcons. The corner of Atlanta Falcons Twitter is a really dark place <laughs> to be right now um, because people are mad. I, I actually, someone sent me the other day, they sent me like three petitions that that that's on change.org that just say fire Dan Quinn. And it's real. I mean, it's not good. It's not a good situation in Atlanta. And I I don't know the extent of what Arthur Blank would do in this situation because do you wait until, let's say they do go out and lose this game. And let's say they go out and lose the game after that. Like, which I think would be the Panthers. But like, let's say they go out and lose those games and you're 0-4. I, I just don't know. I mean, does Arthur Blank wait until the bye week? Because you have to make a move. If they're not winning games, you, you have to make a move. You can't not. It would look horrible. Um, so do you wait until the bye week or do let's say they start picking things up? Let's say they start winning a couple of games here and there. I think what's what I think is going to happen is I do think that they're kind of going to turn it around. I don't think that it's going to be significant enough to maybe get a playoff berth. Um, just watching this team right now. I don't feel that way, but let's say they do turn around. Let's say they get it to like 500 by the time that the bye week comes. I think Dan Quinn keeps his job, but I would think that end of the year, if you're still looking at it around 500 um, record that it might, it might be the end.
0: Tori, is there a name or a player that perhaps we don't know of, Bears fans may not be super aware of, that we should be looking for or toward on Sunday?
2: I love this question and because I think that Hayden Hurst is the like complete like – encom- like he encompasses that question because I have said from the time that I got on this beat that I thought that Hayden Hurst coming – in replacement of Austin Hooper, that Hayden Hurst was such a good fit for this offense. And I believe that even though he doesn't have a lot of production right now for the, for this offense through two games, I just really, really think that he's a good fit at that tight end position for what Dirk cutter and Matt Ryan want to do. And because they're, they they do not shy away from using their tight ends. And I really, really want to see him get more involved. And I think as the season goes on, you will see that he's going to get his catches. Um, So that's one name that I I think is overlooked right now because he hasn't really – like he had the touchdown on Sunday that was like 42 yards. and I mean, he was wide open because I think his his defender fell down or something, but completely wide open. But I think that you're going to start seeing him be more incorporated – in the past game, especially if Julio Jones is not at a hundred percent.
0: All right. Uh, on top of that, is there anything that maybe Nick and I, we haven't probed you on, I uh, haven't asked you about that. You believe our listeners may benefit from learning about uh, heading into this game.
2: Oh man, I think we've hit pretty much everything. I, I mean, we, we, we talked about, Uh, the secondary and the the front seven and I think we've we've hit everything I appreciate that we didn't harp too much on the onside kick I'm not gonna lie I have literally I've been on I think a few radio shows and no podcast and everybody wants to know about what happened on the onside kick so if y'all do want to know about the onside (laughs) kick I'm happy to tell y'all but like I don't know if you do or not I think a lot of people are like done hashing it out because it was just the biggest mental bust I've ever seen in a, in a professional game. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's Wednesday evening about eight o'clock our time. And I think by now our listeners probably heard it somewhere <laughs> or another. And I, I try to had keep to it have. focus on our upcoming game and I, I'm glad you appreciate it. Uh, Nick and I had a heated debate if we were going to ask it or not, not really, but <laughs> it takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car like cooking, but without the frozen dinner, easy way out eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment,
1: so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as almost rouladen, to cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.
0: Uh, Nick, you know I have my uh, patented two-part question to wrap things up, but before I bring that out to the table, did you have anything else for Tori?
1: No, uh, like like Tori was saying, we kind of— got a really good recap of what this Falcons team is at this point in time. And I think it's time to ask your, your pending question there. Will. Pat- pending, no,
0: <laughs> but uh, for me, uh, Tori, I end every meet the opponent episode this way. It's a two-parter question. The first part is why do the Falcons win on Sunday? Get their first win of 2020.
2: Uh, because they need it. Like that's really it. They gotta, they have to win this game. I, like starting Owen three, if this coaching staff wants to stay in Atlanta, they have to win this game. So to answer that question, I think it's pretty simple. They need it.
0: Simple enough, I see. Simple answers sometimes come out of some of these more complicated Mm -hmm. questions. It can go the other way around, too. Uh, The inverse here, of course, is what's it going to take for the Falcons to lose, go 0-3, and for a Chicago Bears victory?
2: For Atlanta, it's just continue shooting themselves in the foot and continue to... Dan Quinn has been talking about all week how they have to get away from this narrative of the tale of two halves for the Falcons because, I mean, it's so true. Like, they'll play really well for one half, but then they can't finish, and they'll come out in the second half flat, and they give up touchdowns and, and yards, and it's just, you can't play that way. You, you, in the NFL, in this professionally, you can't get away with not playing a complete game so if the falcons don't play a complete game i mean it's going to be the bears who walk away with the win
0: all right simple enough i like it i'm sure our listeners may as well because it seems likely that something like that would happen but for your sake we haven't put together a complete game either so (laughs) maybe each team will take turns and want to have a good half and i would prefer to probably be the second half or maybe we'll each come together for the first half and play really good, and we'll both just kind of try to squander away in the second. I don't know. It, I, it's going to be an interesting game, to say the least.
2: It will be. I'm really, I don't know what to make of it, if I'm being completely honest. It's going to be a weird one.
0: Yeah, Bears games are very much always a roller coaster, uh, no matter who we're playing. So I'm sure you'll As feel that heart things. up and down, up and down. Just you, You had it last week. Just wait until right. Sunday, and we can talk about it after the fact, because... Oh man, they, they put some stress on you for sure. But uh, Tori, this was really great. Thank you so much again for taking your time to talk to Nick and I, helping us meet the 2020 Atlanta Falcons, at least the week three version, like you said, long season to go here, but before I let you go, did you want to perhaps let our listeners know how they can follow you along for the rest of game week?
2: Yeah. So, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Tori underscore McElhaney, and then you can read all of my articles, all my stuff on the athletics site. Um, you can go to the athletic Atlanta or the Falcons page or my author page, regardless, you'll find it. We're all, we're on it. So just go athletic.com or actor underscore McElhaney on Twitter.
0: McElhaney. You could have corrected me on top of the show that I kind of slightly <laughs> botched your name. I would have definitely accepted that one. Uh, I try it's, to you, get those done.
2: <laughs> you won't be the first or you're not the first and you definitely won't be the last. So it's totally fine.
0: I was like, if I'm, if I won't be the first, I was trying to figure out how that would have worked. I'm like, no one's ever tried this before. <laughs> right. Yeah. How did you go your whole life without that attempting? Right. But no, okay, that works for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be put back on there. But next time we have you on, uh, in our every four years we play the Falcons, maybe sooner in the playoffs, <laughs> we would love to have you on and uh, correct my wrong yet again. So McElhaney is the correct yes. way to pronounce your last name, and I apologize. Totally fine. All right. Thank you so much, Tori. Have a good rest of your night. And again, Arno, our listeners, they love these guest episodes, so I'm sure it's ultra appreciated by everyone listening. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah,
0: thank you. All right, Nick. Obviously, that was a pretty cool interview, like we were talking about at the top of the show. And honestly, throughout, Tori's a really great guest, got a pretty decent amount of insight. Anything you wanted to kind of hit home on one last time before I kind of
1: put a bow on this episode? Yeah, I think the big thing for me and what I'm going to be watching for throughout the week and what Tori talked about is Julio Jones and that hamstring injury. It sounds like what the Falcons are talking about, what Tori kind of told us, is that it's up in the air. I, like right now, I don't know if we're going to see Julio Jones on Sunday, which would be great for the Bears and Bears fans, not my fantasy team. But that's going to be something to watch out for. And she also mentioned Grady Jarrett. And like that's a guy, even though the Falcons gave up 40 points, he just pops on film. So that's a guy the Bears are no doubt going to be keying on to make sure they can mitigate as much damage as he's going to create on Sunday. But those are the two big takeaways the two guys that offensively you have to see if he's going to play Julio Jones and really Grady Jarrett.
0: Yeah, no, I can't agree much more without you there, Nick. Uh, for me, I was surprised that she wasn't shocked that Todd Gurley wasn't getting involved in the passing game. Someone who could be a dual threat, not really being utilized that way. I understand they have targets, but you want to use these backs some way or the other, but she's content with Calvin Ridley and some of the other guys out there, which you know what? I don't think I can really blame her whatsoever, but all right, that's going to do it for this episode up next. It's going to be our weekly game preview. Nick and I will take our in-depth look into all of the matchups, key talking points, and much more, including our weekly predictions. So please take a moment. If you haven't yet rate or review our show on Apple podcast, Uh, that really does go a very long way to helping our show reach a larger audience Perhaps Nick and I can secure another sponsorship here for the 2020 season. We'd really never know, but you can definitely help us by leaving a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow for that game preview. So, a quick turnaround here for Nick and I, but until then, bear down Chicago. Bear down.